work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I just want to say uh, that they are coming at us from every possible angle. And whether we're talking about biosecurity, pandemics, finance, housing, healthcare, energy, climate, carbon offsets, credit markets, transportation, food supply, Inflation, cryptocurrency, green passports, social credit score systems, open borders, slave labor, human trafficking, sex trafficking, all the changes we're now seeing have one goal, and that is to force compliance with the globalist agenda. And that is the biggest problem we face. It's a humongous problem. We are at a crossroads with the power struggle, the new world order, if you will, the globalist movement. And, you know, uh, our allies become really strange bedfellows that, uh, you know, we're supposed to be supporting our United States military that's gone woke. We're supposed to be supporting our United States government uh, and their agenda. It used to be that politics, you know, would stop at the water's edge, and we would remain united as a country. And what has happened is we've opened the doors to our borders, and we've allowed this this uh, multiculturalist diversity to penetrate our organs, you know, our internal intestines, our our in the inside. From, from the inside out. And it was Obama that really, truly, I think, introduced this whole sort of like Saul Alinsky kind of, you know, uh, thro- overthrowing a government from the inside out. But then the more I learn about certain things, the uh, more I hear about, you know, the John F. Kennedy assassination, 
and LBJ's involvement, which is uh, Roger Stone's theory. Um, you start to think, well, this has been going on really for a long time. This is just part of what it's what it's like to be a human. You know, that there are always going to be villains and there are always going to be angels and saints. And there's always going to be good. There's always going to be bad. And we're facing that, though, on a different, you know, platform, a different, I think at a different level because it's a different level because of the rate of speed. It's a different level because of the enormous enormity of the financial capacity of it, uh, the nuclear weapons. I mean, you know, we're not dealing with muskets and we're not dealing with small amounts of money. We're dealing with huge investments from Silicon Valley to the IT industry, you know, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is buying up all of our farmland. George Soros is rigging the DA uh, district attorney um, district attorney uh, races, local races. And you, you could just keep on going. You know, Klaus Schwab is organizing this all-white male-oriented uh, takeover of the of the world. And so we're going to play some clips just to remind ourselves of what we're up against because it's, um, it's scary business. So uh, uh, Mark Stein, Mark Stein had uh, a, a basically a piece on globalism that I thought we would take a listen to and then Eva Vlardingerbrook uh, had something to say about Bill Gates buying up the farmland. We talk about globalism all the time. We talk about carbon credits and carbon uh, offsets uh, and how that's become a new business. Um, I could play a Leonard Nimoy clip from Star, Star Trek that I have handy. I may not play it today, but... The reason why it's too too long, and I don't think it contributes to to the story all that well. But um, but he's talking about an ice age coming, and you wonder, okay, even back then, like in the eighties, I think it was that he came out with that. Um, we were supposed to be panicked and scared because there was too many cold winters. We were panicking and getting uh, fear mongered, and again, what do you get out of that? You get control, you get power. Power and control to tell people what to do, how to do it, and guess who's in charge? We already know that people have profited from this stuff, and we already know that the deceptions have been made, and we already know as a result of that that we have two standards of justice, we have rigged elections. And that if you're a Republican that stuffs a ballot, you get thrown in jail for 20 years, 10 years. But if you're Stacey Abrams, guess what? Nothing happens to you. If you're, if you're rigging elections as a mule or a ballot harvester, nothing happens to you. But if you're a Republican, and that started, I remember, with 2008, probably before that, but... In 2008, I remember living in Philadelphia and hearing and seeing on the news the Black Panthers 
uh, the new Black Panther Party, which was really the precursor to the Black Lives Matter BS party, the Marxists, dummies, morons over at Black Lives Matter that pocket all the money or give it to Act Blue, and they're nothing but a political arm of the Democrat Party. Like the uh, activist group Anti-Fascist, which were nothing but uh, endorsers of fascism. So, Antifa, right? Um, violent groups, hateful groups, almost Satan-like groups. And nothing's done about it. You know, these Black Lives Matter offshoots are going and looting stores like a gang, like a uh, cult, where they, they look at it as reparations. Even now in Malibu and in L.A. and in San Francisco and everywhere else in between, you can't escape it. There's just all kinds of stores that are leaving. Salesforce, their flagship headquarters is subletting their San Francisco offices because they just can't do It's not a place to do business, yet Gavin Newsom is going to be probably the next uh, presidential nominee for the Democrat Party probably even before 2024. And he's running that state into the ground, California. So go figure. But we're going to go ahead and take a listen to um, Mark Stein, and then we're going to listen to Eva Vlardingerbrook. We have also a clip from Ted Cruz talking about election rigging, talking about land grabs, Uh, And here we're talking about globalism and Klaus Schwab. All the things I just mentioned in my opening statement there are going, you know, we're going to illustrate them a little bit with these audio clips. So let's take a listen. You know, I'm beginning to sweat at night. It's uh, nothing to do with the COVID. I'm pretty relaxed about that. I cower before no subvariant, but I'm concerned that the insanity of the last two years is becoming permanent and more intense. As you know, Klaus Schwab, the sinister Teutonic megalomaniac, hiding in plain sight as a sinister Teutonic megalomaniac, runs the World Economic Forum from his hollowed-out Swiss Alp overlooking the Jungfrau. He's a close chum of the Prince of Wales and the twin brother of Ming the Merciless. That's, uh, let's see, that's Ming on the left and Klaus Schwab on the right. Uh, Herr Schwab was last heard of on this show a couple of weeks back, giving his keynote address to the annual board meeting of Spectre. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. The future is made by us. Oh, that's lovely, Klaus, sweetie. But could you just make sure you wave your fist a bit more butchly, as you say it? Unfortunately, Schwab the Merciless and his chums are having a bit more difficulty making the future than they expected. You, yes, you at the back, Mrs. Mabel Scroggins of 27B Acacia Guns, you're not signing up for your seventh booster shot with quite the gusto they expect. So Klaus has had to make a special pitch to the youth, user millennials and generation Z. So what should you do? Use the millennials and the generation Z. 
What should you do differently? Most immediately, you are calling for the international community to safeguard vaccine equity, to respond to COVID-19 and prevent future health crisis. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Aha! Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. COVID stand now and for... Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So the same people, of course, support this. This is Boris Johnson's dad. I played this last week, but I'm going to play it in juxtaposition. Well, because it's kind of connected. To get population under control as well, because if you look at it in sheer economic terms, how can you sustain increases in per capita income at a time when you have rising population without rising economic growth? Whereas if you have a declining um, population, which is what I would aim for, then of course even a stable economic growth situation will give you increases in per capita income. So that's where I stand on do, that. Do you, do you have a sense of what the carrying capacity of Britain is or of the... Uh, uh, of the world as a whole? Or? Well, Britain, I'd put it at 10 or 15 million. Um, I, mean, I think that'd be absolutely fine. I mean, that would do us really splendidly. At, at, at a limit, 2025, I think it's complete nonsense that we are now confronted with an island, would you believe it, of 70 million, 70 million people. I wrote a paper, I think it's the only paper the Conservative Party has ever published, and it was published as an old Queen Street paper in, in June mm. 1972, oddly enough. And it was called uh, Britain Needs a Population Policy. And, um, and you, you could still argue that today, I mean, right now. I certainly could. I certainly could. But what has happened, of course, is that we have all been, as it were, shunted aside, off, shunted off. So he, he's advocating for a huge reduction in population. And he's a globalist. So how do you get there? So let's take a listen to the uh, clip I played last week. Um, Sagaguru from India, outside the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab's uh, organization. And they're just laughing about population reduction. So it's in insane. The session we just attended here at the Economic Forum, I think there was a sense of relief, actually, in your frankness. Um, you brought up some issues that, that others are really That's my to trouble. Bring up. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> All the religious groups are against me because I'm talking about population. They want more souls, I want less on the planet. <laughs> Scumbags. Every last one of them, that is just evil. That's evil on every term. And they'll do anything to get the power to do what they want to do. And that's the scary part. They'll buy up your land. Let's take a listen to Eva Vlardingerbrook. What are they worried about with nitrogen? It sounds laughable to me. It is laughable, and that is what you should take away from this. It's not a real crisis. Obviously, nitrogen isn't a problem, especially not when you consider the fact that, well, the Netherlands, like I said, is such a small piece of land. Yeah. We have our neighboring countries, Belgium and, and Germany, that don't have to implement any of these measures, but the Dutch government is doing it. And the real reason, obviously, behind it is that the Dutch state wants the farmers' land. Because probably there are a couple of reasons. So the farmers, first of all, they're a group in society that are very self-reliant. They are basically ungovernable in that sense. You know, they own a lot of the Dutch land. And they, well, they produce 
agricultural products, they have livestock, they produce beef. And what's interesting to know is that the Dutch minister who has pushed this nitrogen law has a brother-in-law who is the owner of the Dutch online supermarket called Picnic. Guess who invested $600 million in Picnic last year? Right, Bill Gates, the man who wants you to eat fake meat. And, you know, that's not just uh, a conspiracy theory. I know, for example, that uh, the head of... uh the Netherlands. Am I pronouncing his name right? Rut. Rut. How do you na- how do you pronounce the name of the the leader of uh, the Netherlands? He's a he's a serious member of the World Economic Forum too. Who's what's his name? Mark Rutte. Yes, Rutte. Mark Rutte is very very deeply involved in the World Economic Forum. And well, it's obvious that this law is a product again of these globalist institutions yeah. because this needs to happen before 2030. Rings a bell, right? Agenda 2030, the yeah. Great Reset. World Economic Forum. It's very clear that this is a made-up crisis, which we've seen before with these organizations. That's the way they handle, that's the way they operate these things. They say, we have a crisis, and you are the ones that are going to have to solve this by giving up all of your rights. So that's what's happening here. They're taking away these farmers' land. They're taking away property because they see a future for us in which we're, we're completely dependent on the state. You eat bugs. (laughs) <laughs> and well, they own your land. You, you know, they, you own nothing and you'll be happy is what they say to you. But these farmers are not happy. And I'm so proud that they're fighting this. But eight previous murders, murders to cover up corruption, corruption of epic proportions, corruption of biblical. Sorry about that last part. One and two in the next. So, yeah. Um, so World Economic Forum buying up all land. You know, the point that she made about Farm, farmers being autonomous, independent. Truckers are kind of that way too. So we saw what, how they treated the Ottawa truckers, right? You know, uh, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, another globalist, right? A tyrannical, evil dictator is really what they are in sheep's clothing. But that's really what they are. That's what globalism is all about. This Klaus Schwab, we in this room, We in this room, together, can rule the world. It's no different than, you know, it's a Hitler-esque thing. And he comes from very, very much the same region of Hitler. Hitler came from Austria. Um, You know, I took a tour through uh, Salzburg. And I spent some time in Salzburg and Kitzbühel skiing and checking out the sites and you know uh hitler was right from that region so is uh so is klaus schwab it's just um but the far the farmers own all this land they own a lot of land and so when you think about that you think wow okay so what is the government trying to do when they want to gain control what do the democrats want to do the democrats want to control all kinds of, you know, turn everything into a government park and recreation. You know, it's the Department of Interiors. And they want to control all the land. And now what's happen, happening is because the government can only go so far because they're limited constitutionally, um, they're allowing China to buy up and they have partnerships with China they're lying, allowing China to buy up our land. They're allowing um, big corporations 
like BlackRock is buying up real estate. Vanguard is doing the same thing. These banks, these big global banks that control all these big corporations, and they're having sweetheart deals. If we build a development and we buy up all this land and we buy up all these golf courses in South Carolina or we buy up all this property anywhere, all the farmland, we can do with it what we want because it's ours. We own it. So what they're doing is they're buying up all the land and they're making, they're, they're, they're controlling the population. They're controlling where you're allowed to live. They're taking away space for you to live. And they're pushing you like a corral, like a herd of sheep into a fenced area. And that's what they're doing with the open borders too. People come flooding through the open borders, right? They're flooding through the open borders and the little towns along the the border, the Texas... Texas cities and Arizona cities are overwhelmed with this flood of population. They're sticking these people that we don't even know, disease-infested, gangbangers, rapers, you know, like we've seen out in Ohio, in Indiana, that situation with the 10-year-old. You know, We're seeing this cover-up. It turns out that I think the 10-year-old was dating the illegal and uh, didn't want to turn the illegal in or got raped. And I I think um, what it was, too, is that the uh, rape victim was illegal. So you'd have to look into that story a little bit more, but there's a lot more going on with that story than meets the eye. It's not really for me to cover. I cover global politics and that's not it. But in any case, um, I was reading uh, through that story and I was like, wow, there's a lot more to that story than meets the eye. But the open borders, they're shipping, they're flying them in the middle of the night. And, you know, we've been talking about like flying them to battleground areas, flying them to agricultural areas, typically agricultural areas or in red states. Exception would be California. But they're taking the um, California's, you know, rural districts, especially in Northern California and Orange County, tend to lean red, right? Lean right. And that's where the agricultural and vineyards are. And, you know, the, the issue there is, you know, a lot of those representatives are going to be under a lot more pressure if those people were to turn and become Democrat voters. I actually think that they're going to vote conservative if they do vote. They shouldn't be allowed to vote. And my biggest concern is that they're going to be given an ID and they're going to be registered as a Democrat just by the system, by default, automatically. And then those registrations are going to be mailed ballots, you know, absentee ballots, you know, that's what that's all part of the mail-in balloting fraud. And then they're going to not even really physically mail them or mail them and then pick them up with a ballot harvester and drop them off in a dump box. You see. And that's what they were doing. They were getting these people... Re- these people didn't even register, but they didn't even know they were registered. But somehow on the 
on the books, they were registered as citizens. That's why, you know, the 2020 census, they said, we demand that you take the citizenship question off the sheet. It's a census for crying out loud. Why would the Democrats have a problem with, are you a United States citizen? Why in the world would that be on the thing? It doesn't make any sense. To me, it doesn't. You know, the whole point of the effort is to get a census of how many citizens we have to, the government has to um, support or take care of. And really, that sounds awful in and of itself, that statement I just made. But, you know, assess funds or allocate resources, whatever. You know, the, gov- the, the part of what the government has to do, roads and infrastructure and, and uh, urban planning, traffic light patterns, you know, whatever it is, hospitals, zoning, whatever, you know. But <clears throat> knowing what the population is going to be or is, is quite important from a planning perspective and without knowing who the citizen, you know, because they're, the Democrats are saying all people are people and, you know, we just need to know how many people to serve. No, we don't serve and we don't give. You know, I just read this one report where a family, uh, an illegal migrant immigrant family is here and they're getting like $4,000 a month to live Whereas the retired average retirement check is twelve to two twelve hundred to two thousand, you know, the average retirement is getting less, you know, than that. It's it's insane. The kind of perks that are being rewarded for these people who are breaking our laws, but they're coming through the borders, they're getting on planes. They don't even know where they're going. They don't know anything about our history. They don't even know anything about America. So you're left to defend America at some point and get together, you know, as a united country, waving our flags. People are objecting to that. The flag is offensive, they say. And, you know, what do we, what do we, you know, because we have allowed this cancer to get inside our borders and cancer, that doesn't mean people are cancer, but it means that this the way we're going about it. I support immigration, legal immigration. You know, come through the door legally. Don't break through the, the back egress window and destroy our property and rape our children. Don't do that. You know? It's, we're not asking that much. Just don't break, don't, don't in the first second that you arrive in America, break all of our laws. That's not an Ellis Island story. You know, that's not an immigrant story, a nation of immigrants. You know, when we talk about that, we think about Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, there's always people that want a better life in America. But after the Democrats rape and pillage it, you know, you take a look at what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have been doing. There's more more evidence of the Biden crime family doing crimes in Moscow now and new developments with the laptop from hell. And so it's just, it's the way it is. 
But we have a real problem on our hands. We don't even know who we're defending anymore. And these open borders and these migrants coming through are overwhelming these towns, all of their resources, which are being taken away from you, the taxpayer, and your children, impacting negatively their education, putting them physically at risk. You know, if you take a look at some of these rapists and shooters, they're illegals. And this is a problem we don't need right now in America. And again, who are we as a country? If we're not a nation of laws first, and if Lady Justice isn't blind, who are we? If we don't have free and fair elections, are we even a democracy? We're not. When you have rigged elections. Let's take a listen to what Muriel Bowser has to say about D.C. getting flooded with buses, busloads of illegal immigrants. And I was told illegal migrants. Migrants mean you go back and forth. Immigrants, illegal immigrants. They come here. They don't leave. Okay, so that's the difference between migrants and immigrants. And I used to always say illegal migrants. But I've changed that because it's illegal immigrants. So let's take a listen to this piece of Muriel Bowser. It reminds me, by the way, this piece reminds me of when the news anchors were talking about Elon Musk buying up Twitter and like, who's to say he doesn't tweak the algorithm to benefit the right? And who's to say that he doesn't muzzle the left? And we're like, yeah, that's been happening to the right. (laughs) You know, we've been dealing with that forever. But the media never complained. Now all of a sudden they got this, you know, and they're so stupid too. Because you you all know in April, I said that Elon Musk wasn't going to buy uh, Twitter. And of course he's not. We were right on this show about that. And we were one of the only ones that was right. Now Donald Trump even said he came out early and did it, but I don't think he did it as early as we did. We came out before him. Maybe he got his, you know, maybe he got that idea from me. I don't know. But the idea is, uh, we called that on April twenty, April twentieth, twenty first, and you can look it up. You know, it's on my Twitter. Uh, look up the radio show. We talked about it then, and, and the and, on April twenty first, and. Um, we were saying Elon Musk is not, we th- I think it's a ruse. I think it's a ruse to slow down, you know, the investors that were investing in True Social, Getter, Parler, Gab. And in an election year, a three-month slowdown of investments in competing social media platforms is a huge, huge impact on the election. Which, incidentally, by the way, Good news, Liz Cheney is 22 points down in the polls against her challenger for the primary that's going to happen on August 16th. Liz Cheney trails Trump-endorsed challenger by 22 points in the polls, recent polls. That's good news. Don't you agree? I agree. I agree with that. I think that's great. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to... um, Muriel Bowser complain and whine and complain that she's going to have to be treated like Texas cities. Of course, she thinks it's a problem. But 
They don't listen to the de- the Texas cities that have been taking the brunt of it. But they're going to listen now that they got this radical left-wing Marxist, uh, Black Lives Matter mayor, um, just spouting off and saying she can't handle it. The uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up um, and groups were getting overwhelmed by these buses that the governors of Texas and, and Arizona are sending here full of migrants. How significant is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Um, we have for sure called on the federal government uh, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks. Um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into nationwide um, bus trips when their final destinations are places all over the United States of America. The uh, wa- So, you know, she doesn't want them here. She doesn't want them in D.C., does she? And but better, better somewhere else. You know, put them in conservative states. Hopefully they'll vote Democrat or the Democrats will rig their ballots, you know, rig their registrations, rig their ballots, and bring them in, you know, because um, I don't believe these people are engaging in our, you know, uh, I don't think they're participating in our government. They're just taking from it. And I think one of the reasons why it is, think about this for a second. This is a new thought of mine. But think about why they want to give these people social welfare aid. Why do you think that is? To buy their votes, yes. But guess what? It puts them in the system. See, you can't send, you can't create a ballot to harvest and to doctor and to rig. You can't create a ballot to falsely use as a voting uh, ballot uh, unless they're in a system. You know, all these heads of cattle coming through the open border, that's how they look at them. All these heads of cattle, a herd of people, they're heads with no ID. No, They're completely anonymous. They just come through the border. But what they want to do is they want to entice them to engage and get an ID number and get a cell phone. And they tell them, look, if you participate in our, in your work with us, we'll give you money to help you get started with your new life until your court date that you're never going to show up for. And what we're going to do is we're going to buy that vote for however much it takes. It doesn't matter. It's not my money. It's the middle class taxpayer's money. But we're going to spend it on you so that we could buy your votes. And if we can't depend on your you're not going to ever vote because you're you're not showing up for your court date. So we already know that. You're not going to sh- vote because you're not showing up for your court date. You're going to violate. You already violated the first law. You broke through our country. Now you're sitting there waiting for a plane ticket to nowhere. 
you're probably going to be charted, bar, bust off to a right-wing state, but it doesn't seem like they're picking so much by voting districts. A little bit they are. I remember when uh, COVID had a spike in Missouri, I said, uh-huh, they're moving a whole bunch of new registered voters to St. Louis. You know, basically Black Lives Matter headquarters, you know, Ferguson and all, you know, out that way. Um, but that's the thing. So they, they, were, they were getting carted to all these places. And once they get into the system, would you like to register to vote? Because, you know, whatever. You're not allowed to vote, but yeah, okay. Or without even a question, because they can't speak English. So they just, they get an ID and somebody registers them to vote. That's why you have all these online registrations. It's virtual. They have bots literally registering IDs associated with people that came through our border illegally. And they have these bots that are just registering these people. And then those registrations get sent to ballot because of some sort of stupid COVID rule, right? LA, for example, is talking about lockdowns again and masks. Stupidest thing that ever happened. But they're going to go ahead and mail them. But are they even going to mail them? Because like we were talking about, those ballots that never had a fold, they weren't folded, meant that they were never mailed out. And I talked about this in the past about invoicing. I can invoice a customer without ever mailing them an invoice. It can be sent through the email. It's all virtual, whatever. But they don't email. So what it is is you create an invoice. You then take their credit card over the phone and you pay that invoice with the credit card. And the invoice never really got sent out. But yet it's paid right? QuickBooks, simple. So a ballot is very much the same way. You get an ID. The only way you can create an invoice in QuickBooks is if you have an account number. You have to have an account. Then from the account, you can create the invoice. And from the invoice, you don't ever have to mail it out. You could just pay it with a credit card. So that's the same concept. You get, a, you get an illegal migrant you get them in a system where they can get some welfare money. You get them on a plane, whatever it is. If they, if they have a sheet of paper in their hand and they get on a bus or a plane or a train, they're in the system. They got a number. That number gets registered to vote. That registration gets a ballot. And that ballot never even gets mailed out because they don't even know the address. It's a fake address. So they're not going to mail it out to a fake address, but they're going to send it. They're going to create that ballot, and then that ballot's going to be said to be mailed out, but it's never going to make it. They might even mail it, but it's they don't care. They're going to say they received that ballot, and when they receive that ballot, that ballot votes Democrat, and that was done in the twenty twenty election. There was a lot of election fraud in the 2020 election. And it was done in all kinds of ways. Zuckerbucks in Michigan and elsewhere and so on and so forth. There's new uh, findings in Arizona. There's new findings in Georgia. There's new findings in, uh, 
in all kinds of places. But I believe that's the way a lot of the election fraud, because they did find an abnormal amount of ballots that never were folded or put into an envelope. They were just printed out. Just like if I, you know, the invoice story that I just told you. And so Ted Cruz was interviewing uh, a a potential justice. She looks like she's from India. Um, but she's a radical left. I think she might have a nose ring in her nose. Whatever. Um, she's going to wants to be a federal judge. But she was working for an organization that was connected with Stacey Abrams. Listen to this exchange between Ted Cruz and... Uh, I believe her name. Oh, I'll give you her name here in a second. Uh, in a legal challenge to Arizona, area of your advocacy. Uh, in a legal challenge to. I will get that name. About another area of your advocacy. Oh, Renali. Um, Renali Desai. Runali Desai. Okay, so she's some. I think she might be India, India from India. Um, but here it is. About another area of your advocacy. Uh, in a legal challenge to Arizona. House Bill 2023, which prohibited ballot harvesting. You argued the bill not only had the incidental effect of lowering minority turnout, but that it was actually, quote, designed to suppress voting in minority communities. As you know, the Supreme Court 6-3 rejected that argument. Do you still believe that prohibitions on ballot harvesting are designed to suppress minority votes? Thank you, Senator. Um, The Supreme Court in Brnovich v. DNC Um, set forth the guideposts for determining when a law um, violates Section 2 of the VRA. They've indicated the factors to look at include um, opportunity to vote, openness of voting. Okay, Um, I I, I recognize and I'm aware of what the Supreme Court has held, and, and so it rejected the argument. I'm asking you, do you believe you wrote as an advocate that prohibitions on ballot harvesting are designed to suppress minority votes? Do you believe that as a factual statement? Senator, the statements um, that you're reading from were written in an amicus brief as as an advocate, uh, filing that on behalf of my clients. As a judge, I would apply unreservedly, fully, and faithfully the precedent set forth by the Supreme Court. So that brief you filed on behalf of a group called Fair Fight Action. Is that correct? Senator, I had two clients in that, uh, in that, for that amicus brief. It was Fair Fight Action and the Arizona Voter Empowerment Task Force. So, so has Fair Fight Action ever disputed the integrity of an election? Senator, I am not, um, I'm not aware. I, I haven't studied that. I don't, I don't know. You don't know? I don't. All right, that's Fair Fight Action. That's Stacey Abrams' organization, Fair Fight Action. Take a listen. I don't know. But who started Fair Fight Action? Um, my general understanding is that Fair Fight Action is an organization that was started by Stacey Abrams. And Fair Fight Action disputed and litigated against the integrity of the election in Georgia in 2018. You're right, it was started by Stacey, Stacey Abrams. And in fact, Fair Fight Action argued in court that the voting machines in Georgia actually switched votes from her to Brian Kemp. Is, is, is that correct? 
Uh, Senator, my involvement with Fair Fight Action uh, extends to filing that amicus brief in the Brnovich v. DNC case about the Arizona election laws. I was not involved with or and I'm not familiar with Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial campaign from 2018. Um, I believe Fair Fight Action was actually created after that election, but again, um, well, I, but it was created to challenge that election. It was it was part of Stacey Abrams' ongoing efforts to maintain that she was in fact the governor of Georgia, notwithstanding the voters of Georgia disagreeing and voting for another candidate. Let me ask you: the last major bipartisan examination of voter fraud was chaired by Democratic President Jimmy Carter and Republican Secretary of State James Baker. The Carter-Baker Commission concluded that prohibitions on ballot harvesting protect election integrity because ballot harvesting invites voter fraud. Do you believe Democrat former President Jimmy Carter was actively trying to suppress minority votes, as you argued the provision in Arizona was doing? Senator, thank you for that question. I'm not familiar with uh, the facts that you recounted, but what I can tell you um, is that I would faithfully apply the rule of law from the Supreme Court and the Ninth Circuit precedents if I'm confronted with a case um, that challenged election laws. Final question, because my time's expired. You wrote that brief without examining what the Carter-Baker Commission recommended? You made that allegation about ballot harvesting without even knowing what the Carter-Baker Commission said? Senator, um, again, as I sit here today, I'm not familiar with um, those facts. But uh, like I said, I would I, I am committed to the rule of law and to implementing the Supreme Court's precedent uh, with respect to how to evaluate state laws um, that are uh, relating to ballot collection or any other laws that are challenged under Section two of the VRA. Thank you. Why did Democrats oppose or uh, support ballot harvesting? Because it, it's riddled with fraud. It's, it's an invitation to fraud. That's for sure. We know that um, the Democrats don't. Uh, the Democrats. We have a couple of things we want to cover before the end of the show. Number one, Deborah Burks. We have a big thing that we want to talk about on that. But just look at the Democrats' hypocrisy on on this. This is a gr- cute little interview by a young reporter asking these kid, college students this question about COVID. Uh, our, our first abortion. And then COVID. Let's take a listen. Do you think we should have the right over our bodies? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. So you don't think the government should tell you what you do with your body? No. No? They they have no right. Yeah, Yeah. especially because a lot of the country is run by men. They don't don't really have a say. I don't get it. No. So what do you think about vaccine mandates? I'm I'm with them. Me too, yeah. Yeah. They protect lives. Okay. You don't think we should have a choice to get a vaccine or not? You think we should just all be forced to get them? Abortions don't, like, kill people. (laughs) Do you think we should have the right... (laughs) Abortions don't, like, kill people? (laughs) I'll just let that sit there, right? Um, uh, Also, the corruption with the Bidens, before we move on to Deborah Burks. uh, The corruption with the Biden, this is a really good uh, audio clip. It's actually an extension of his phone call with Poroshenko. And one of the things he talks about with Poroshenko is his own personal security, his Poroshenko's security, meaning we're either going to make life miserable for you or we're going to kill you. 
Let's take a listen to this. Overdrive to clean up loose ends. November 16, 2016, two weeks after Donald Trump's victory, Joe Biden is on the phone with Poroshenko. His voice tenser now than before. This is getting very, very close. What I don't want to have happen, I don't want Trump to get into position where he thinks he's about to buy onto a policy where the financial system is going to collapse and he's going to be looked to to pour more money into Ukraine. That's how he'll think about it before he gets sophisticated enough to know the details. In other words, Biden does not want Ukraine asking for more money from Trump. Doing so would cause Trump to look into the details. So anything you can do to push the the Pravat Bank uh, um, to closure so that the IMF loan comes forward I would respectfully suggest is critically important to your economic as well as physical security. To your economic as well as physical security. Meaning, I'll withhold the billion dollars until you fire Victor Shokin. Remember he did that? And the same people that were with him when he said that on a stage at the Foreign Council on Affairs, uh, Foreign Affairs Council, um, was Mike, Michael Carpenter. And Michael Carpenter worked with Eric Ciaramella, who was the whistleblower uh, that came forth and was working with Mark Zaid, the attorney who is a bit of a pedophile himself or likes young girls and Disney. Um, and Mark Zaid tweeted out, he tweeted out that... Um, that he was going to wage a coup against the president. It would involve lawyers and ultimately impeachment. And Mark Zaid represented Eric Ciaramella. Eric Ciaramella and George Kent were working directly with Fiona Hill and uh, the um, uh, the uh, w- the other... Uh, Mark Vindman, the Vindman brothers, the twins. And Vindman was the one that manipulated the record on what he thought he heard when he was tapped into the call with Zelensky. And he tweaked the words and he, he notified two people. One was George Kent, the bow tie weirdo, and the other was uh, Eric Ciaramella, who was a CIA guy. And Sierra Mella was lovers with Sean Misko, who was working at the National Security Council, that was working in transition from the Obama administration to the Trump administration in the White House, but also connected with national security. And he also was um, hired by Adam Schiff, and he was on Adam Schiff's team as a and it, um, a staff member. So all of that happened. Everything I just told you is a fact. So when you take a look at all of this surrounding that impeachment, it's uh, pretty amazing when it involves Ukraine. So you ask me why I'm skeptical about Zelensky? Of course, I have lots more of information too about Zelensky and his connections with George Soros Zelensky and all the bribes and kickbacks 
Zelensky and his tyrannical dictatorship right now. And yet we're all supposed to support Joe Biden and Zelensky on this war effort. When I think that's absolutely insane. And not only that, but it's paving the way for the New World Order because we got BRICS now. BRICS came out of that. And Vladimir Putin uh, is part of that BRICS with China. We've actually strengthened China's relationship with China, uh, Russia in his, their strategic BRICS, you know, where they're going to develop their own currency outside of the dollar. They're no longer going to be dependent on the dollar, which gives us less leverage, and a whole host of other things. Now, you got this other story, Deborah Burks. Another, let's go to COVID for a second. Dr. Deborah Burks admits being deceitful when recommending COVID strategies to Trump. I couldn't do anything that would reveal my true intention, she writes in her book, to use this, the travel ban as one brick in the construction of a larger wall of protective measures we needed uh, to enact everything. She wanted to basically fudge the data in order to sell the idea of two weeks to slow the curve she did that two weeks to slow the curve so that she can get an expedition, expediting a, a complete total shutdown of our country. So she baited and switched. She got us to all say, agree with it, two weeks, which has now become almost two and a half years. This person writes this meme, pay attention, kids. It's not science, it's politics. I've been listening to this crap for 50 years. 1960s, oil gone in 10 years. 1970s, another ice age in 10 years. 1980s, acid rain will destroy all crops in 10 years. 1990s, the ozone layer will be destroyed in 10 years. The 2000s, the ice caps will be gone in 10 years. None happened, but all resulted in more taxes and more control and more regulation. The Bradford file writes, Dr. Burke should be in federal prison with Dr. Fauci. Instead, they're both making millions off of the pandemic. And that's the sad news. That's the sad part of this whole thing. So we have a lot to be, uh, we have a lot of fight on our hands. We have a lot to be worried about. We have, to lot, we have a lot to keep our eye on the ball about. And we need to be vigilant about all of it. You've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org to find out what we're doing to support America First policies to make America great again. I know we're doing a lot of that work on this show every each and every day, and we're also doing it through Red State Talk Radio. Also, if you're over at MyPillow.com and you're buying anything to get the biggest discounts, use the promo code REDSTATE. All right. Well, with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Down in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.